Hey, buddy. Hey. All right, all right. Um, so thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. I'm, I'm super excited to, to uh, talk with you about your background, man. You've been doing, um, been doing some really interesting things in the cannabis space. I mean, touching all bases, really, uh, with this kind of vertical integration across these various um, outfits you got going. Um, also, uh, a good high school friend of mine. So, um, yeah, it's uh, du double the pleasure and uh, double the fun to have you on, man. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, man. It's a great, great opportunity, and I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, Mike, I guess uh, first off, um, uh, I, I, right now you're uh, where, where are you located at? So, right now I'm living in Annapolis, um, up on the water here by the Severn River. And uh, <clears throat> love Annapolis. I moved up here when uh, I won my first licenses in Maryland. Um, our production facility was uh, assigned Queen Anne's County, which is just over the Bay Bridge. So I moved out here to get a little closer to that facility and be about halfway between our dispensaries, which are mostly in Montgomery County. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're, uh, and that was, uh, I guess that was a move. Was that aimed at, um, kind of your first, your first outfit there? I noticed test peak alternatives. Yes. Okay. So you, yeah, exactly. Basically we, uh, partner and I applied for licensing in Maryland. Um, we started the endeavor in 2015. Um, which is when Maryland announced that they were going to be launching their first medical cannabis program. And uh, they were offering up to 15 cultivation licenses, 15 processing licenses, and 102 dispensary. Uh, we initially only applied for processing and dispensary. We were successful in both. And ultimately, uh, through a strate strategic partnership, we um, also brought in a cultivation and several additional dispensaries um, under our joint venture umbrella. It really seems like the, uh, you know, the cannabis space obviously um, taken off. I mean, I'm, I just come from the financial side myself, looking at, uh, you know, the prices of some of these uh, weed stocks, you know, selling a PE, you know, multiples of, uh, you know, upwards of 90, um, you know, with uh, some with some with very little cash flow, but it seems as if the more important thing to a lot of owners of these companies is, is that they have sort of a robust, all-inclusive sort of uh, functional uh, company that you know can uh, can sort of compete on, on at at every level uh, across the value chain. Um, so that that's really that's really uh, yeah that's prudent of y'all to. Uh, to kind of get that that uh, processor license and, and dispensary as well. Was there a bottleneck for the processor license? I wonder why there was so many fewer. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you, you obviously they that it goes to the dispensary and <laughs> that's the way. So they um, there were 126 applicants for the 15 spots. The processing and cultivation licenses we call them the the wholesale licenses, they tend to be far fewer than the retail and the dispensaries, which is how it should be. Because if you award too many of those, the market gets saturated and 
you can look at Washington or Oregon for examples of that. Um, a lot of the businesses end up um, having to be bought out and consolidated, and it just makes it difficult to maintain a competitive market. Like starting, so, like starting a leather shop in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's uh, so 15 for a, a state with a population of 6 million like Maryland is the right number to supply the medical market um, without much trouble. When, it, when the state goes recreational in the next year or two, um, they'll likely add, I would say, 10 or 15 more. Um, but states, uh, it's important that states are careful with market saturation and awarding too many licenses. It's also a highly contested issue. Uh, the industry trade associations tend to push for license capping. Uh, they don't want to see more than a certain number for obvious reasons. Uh, and then typically the medical license holders will get grandfathered in to the recreational side. And um, I, I should say the adult use side, I try to use that term. Uh, I think it sounds a little better than recreational, um, but there's definitely an advantage to the medical licensees uh, who are there first. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that was a, a great angle to, to, to kind of take there. And it, it actually makes sense from a from a municipality standpoint and a, and actually from just a national governance standpoint that they would uh, keep kind of caps on, um, you know, try to try to keep the industry com competitive and profit margins reasonable, considering the fact that we're, um, you know, we're at about 140 percent of debt to GDP right. uh, in this country and uh, you know, to your point, uh, you said earlier, you, you know, about, about, um, you know, it, it becoming legal in the next year or so. Um, you know, right now, it's still kind of the Wild West, I imagine. I mean, they're just with the different legislation in different states. Um, but I, I, I've got, I've got to think that uh, in order to arise from the, from the, uh, the ashes here, we're really going to need a comprehensive uh, national policy. Is that going to affect your business? Yeah at all um i mean with with any with any of your outfits i mean are you worried about that or are you kind of no you, you know, it's good it's, not, uh, okay. not not worried about it it it's uh it it is very much the wild west in the environment we're in now and a lot of people probably look at that as a challenge or hurdle and a pain in the butt i see it as an advantage it gives companies like mine you know, that have a high risk tolerance to build a footprint before uh, federal legalization, which I support heavily and hope happens as soon as possible. But once that happens, uh, it does change the, the overall model. You have big financial institutions that will come in, you have big pharma, big alcohol, big, big whatever comes in and consolidates the other companies, and then you also have interstate commerce, which doesn't exist right now. So in order to build a footprint, you have to win or obtain licenses state by state. And the product has to be grown, processed, distributed, dispensed, and consumed all within the state borders. And that's that's true with, with every state. So while that makes it challenging for us, it gives us an opportunity. It keeps a lot of people out because they don't want to deal with 
all the risk and banking hurdles and such that we deal with. So I think it's, it's in a sense, a good, a good time to be in it. Um, if you're somebody like myself, but yes, it'll change significantly when those laws change, you know, we'll go from building um, wholesale facilities that are designed to supply a single state to centralizing those facilities, building them out on a larger scale and distributing across state lines. And one thing that that'll change that's a, a big positive is the ability to uh, maintain consistency across your product line. So when you buy an Advil in, in a store in Maryland or buy an Advil in California, you expect it to be the exact same product. That's very difficult to accomplish right now in cannabis because you have to recreate it in each state and there's all sorts of different variables that go into uh, growing the product. So, treating, uh, constantly being treated with uh, different you know, hydroponic, uh, I, don't, I don't know the terminology. Yeah, different, different grow methods, different genetics, yeah. uh, different processing methods. There's all sorts of factors that go into it. So standardization of product is is critical and that'll be much easier after legalization. Yeah, I can see that. I can also, it, it, it's making sense to me now and talking to you why the, uh, why these uh, equities that are, you know, representative of sort of the, the largest footprint, uh, whether they be growers, um, you know, the, uh, uh, what is it, the Afrias of the, of the world, um, you know, with, right. with these really massive, massive footprints, um, and also the, you know, the, the multi-state operators. Yes. Um, it certainly makes sense why they, they would sell at such a premium. It's almost like uh, going back in time to Amazon uh, and knowing what was going to happen, um, you know, in terms of the, you know, getting that distribution in place uh, is just going to be absolutely critical. Um, so it's exactly probably a quite, quite a, quite a competitive, uh, you know, race to the uh, manifest destiny. <laughs> it is, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic in the industry right now with the multi-state operators or MSOs as we call them. Um, yeah, I'm they, long, I've been long the uh, MSOS ETF. Uh, yeah. They, all my viewers, uh, just, just, just so you know, legally, uh, <laughs> I, I am quite long MSOS have been for some time. So, and also um, uh, uh, Grow Generation Corp as well. So uh, I like that one too. Want to throw that out there to make sure I don't get pinged. <laughs> um, so you've got these MSOs, these big, big operations that, you know, have sophisticated back of house capabilities and, and other advantages. And, um, in my case, that's why I decided to partner with one prior to opening so that I could benefit not only from the funding, but also the, uh, this is green thumb. Yes. The, yeah. Green thumb industries. But also, you know, their pre-developed brands, products, I, all sorts of IP, and the fact that I knew that they were headed for an IPO in the next one to two years on the Canadian exchange. And, um, you know, I figured if we can do well enough, we'll be a pretty big percentage of their 
um, national revenue, which is which is exactly what happened. And so we were able to piggyback into their IPO. And I think that you're sort of on the on the long term outlook of cannabis. I see it as two phases of consolidation. You're witnessing phase one right now, where companies like Chesapeake Alternatives are being acquired by MSOs like GTI, and then five years from now or so, I think you're going to start to see round two where, you know, big pharma or big industry comes in and buys out the GTIs. Um, but it was a great benefit to me having, you know, that back of house and industry knowledge in place uh, in order to be first to market and hit the ground running and uh, sort of, you know, take over a large portion of the market very quickly. Yeah. I, Mike, I got to say, I, you know, when I first heard you were shifting into the industry, it was it was still, at least from my perspective, it was it was quite a quite a nascent a nascent kind of a uh, of an industry, and um, not something that uh, you know that I would have guessed you'd you would have gotten involved in. Uh, I mean, no disrespect, but uh, no. you're pretty badass. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, I, yeah, and back then I associated. Uh, you know, uh, the devil's lettuce with being badass. Um, <laughs> it actually has quite the opposite effect. But um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, it, it was very, it was a very interesting and, and bold uh, play. And I really admire you for it because, I mean, look, look at the dividends, you know, that it's paying, um, you know, to to kind of jump in uh, head first. I mean, you probably figured yeah. young. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I understand the product. You you were you were in the dynamics of the industry and and ended up uh partnering with you know a fantastic uh as you put it fantastic ip um you know economies of scale um you know that's it's, it's really great to uh great to see that so um thank you i i have to say you know i i appreciate that first of all but i, I was telling this a story the other day to somebody that really made me stop and think about how how much different things were just four years ago when I entered the space. We were, at the time, we had a certain attorney general who was very, very anti-cannabis, Jeff Sessions, and very um, misinformed. And he was- Just a bit. Going on the, yeah, just a bit. Going on the news and threatening to raid uh, dispensaries. And, you know, we had customers that, and employees that were genuinely fearful of that. And we just decided to keep opening our doors and not not let that fear in or, or affect us at all. But it, it was a very real concern for the industry and it still is, you know, we, we have a lot of trouble with banking and, um, you know, the federal law is still very much um, an issue in our day to day, but I was just determined to, to get in. I, um, I was drawn to entrepreneurship just, you know, as a, as a leader. And I think having spent a lot of time in the fire department, um, you know, I learned how to manage people. I learned that I could be a good leader and, you know, taking a few business school courses, I realized I can just surround myself with people that have the right skill sets. And, um, I was really motivated by the overall mission of this industry. You know, I knew that it could help reduce the opioid epidemic. I knew that 
you know, veterans needed access to the product. I knew that the medical value of the plant was huge and that it had a place in society. And I didn't really care what I had to do to uh, be successful. I just had a, a fire lit inside me and I was going to stop at nothing to get it done. And, um, you know, throughout this whole experience, I've maintained um, significant involvement in political advocacy and um, education. You know, I, any chance I get, I try to invite the public into forums to speak and educate I've, uh, you know, taught some college courses on this, uh, seminars, and been involved at all three levels of, of government, you know, municipal, state, and federal when it comes to education and discussions about how to properly legislate it. So it's just something that I really believe in and, and have a lot of passion for. Yeah, I, I was going to comment on, on the fact that, you know, not only uh, did you did you build uh, Chesapeake Alternatives? Uh, it certainly behooved you to kind of vertically integrate that business, but it seems like you you vertically integrated yourself almost uh, within within the marijuana industry. I mean, your uh, cannabis rather uh, uh, is, is I guess the the more respectful nomenclature. Yeah, uh, it depends on your audience. Okay. I call it it. Weed is just as good. Weed, marijuana, cannabis. I, I, I like I like devil's lettuce. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, why. I like. I'm gonna start using that more too. I like that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I think Woody. I think that people like myself that are involved in the industry at this stage have an obligation to be a steward of of the industry and to educate those around us about the facts and to try to help change the stigma. I, I would agree. I, I think there's such a divide um, between those. I mean, it's, you know, it, I run into the same issues with portfolio construction, you know, folks thinking stocks and bonds um, are always um, decorrelated from one another and, and therefore their retirement account is safe. Um, it's an existential risk to their wealth. <laughs> um, you know, and for the past three years, stocks and bonds have actually been positively correlated. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we can very well see a decline in both asset classes. And then, then you got a bunch of people that, you know, thought, thought, thought they had a safe portfolio and they're facing inflation and they've got no gold in their portfolio. You know, it's, it's the same deal where, where there's just such a, it's just complicated enough. Um, it, it involves just enough research where, you know, you just sort of dismiss it entirely. Um, and it, it's a mistake to do so. So I think you're you're absolutely right. I think it's incumbent on folks like you to um, spread the word and 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 to have a voice, um, you know, in this space. Um, I, I love that, that that you're starting with the college campuses, although I'm sure they're not giving you much pushback there. Um, but uh, no, and it's nice to see. I mean, you know, there's still not a single business school in the U.S. that teaches the cannabis business, but which is, which is it's crazy, yeah. Um, but there are pharmacy schools that are starting, actually, our state, University of Maryland School of Pharmacy was the first to create a medical cannabis education curriculum and a graduate studies degree in it. And I had been helping them out um, for a few years doing roundtables with their students, and they invited me to do a symposium this year. Uh, with their students and 
um, you know, I, I jumped on the opportunity. It was great. We had about 200 um, attendees did a virtual course on the industry and on advocacy and um, sort of what they can accomplish in the industry, both scientifically and polit politically. And then I also did a, uh, a seminar for Western Illinois University, oddly enough, uh, and their sociology department. They were doing I can tell you really weren't really looking that hard for uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I was out in Illinois applying for licensing, and anytime you can partner with a local university, it's both a strategic advantage and um, I think just the right thing to do. But the the course was about um, the social justice issues facing the industry right now. So sure, it was right. a great right. experience. I, I, that's a whole nother can of worms um, that, uh, you know, that's, that deserves to be cracked open. Uh, I'll probably have to have you back uh, to, to, to talk about yeah. that. Um, you know, I, my, my humble exposure to, you know, the, uh, the advantages of, of cannabis is just, um, you know, having, having played football for a couple of years at Davidson and, you know, that's just D1AA. And then I imagine these guys playing pro ball um and just you know blasting their brains i mean and the pain exactly it's, it's just it's unbelievable and the fact that you know marshawn lynch is going to get fined for having weed in the system right uh it's just it's outrageous and and to your point about the you know the the, the positive externalities i mean everybody's got to get a buzz on let's be honest i mean you know, so <laughs> You know what it's going to be opioids you know it's going to be something it's going to be heroin it's going to be heroin cut with uh you know with opium uh you know basically you know weed is is it, it's, it's less destructive than alcohol um and nicotine so uh you know i i think it's just preposterous that you know especially when you're talking about you know putting it in edible formats and and, and different uh different yeah. that so um, and one yeah. of my one of my first partners, um, actually through GTI, was Eugene Monroe, who I still have a great relationship with. He's uh, on our board with Karuna, my new startup. Um, he played left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens for for a long time, and um, actually retired early because of the injuries that he was sustaining and, and damage to. Uh, his brain and he knew that cannabis was uh, a safe answer safe alternative to opioids and he retired early from the nfl to pursue entrepreneurship and and cannabis and we sort of bonded on that same mission that's wonderful i yeah i, I actually uh i actually quit after my first concussion um and uh you know because i this the science the science wasn't yet as a uh it hadn't yet become as pervasively uh, known, um, but it was uh, it was certainly out there. Um, and, and you know, I I've always been a nerd for SSRN, and um, you know, I, I I was picking up on some of the stats and you know the potential links to CTE, um, really gnarly stuff. So uh, no, I think I think it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing what you're doing, um, and I think it's it's all the more amazing that. Uh, it's it's a path that you know initially I think and and still today has this sort of stigma around it, 
um, you know, I think it's it's uh, it, it's pretty absurd um, how closed-minded people can be. Um, that being said, I uh, I'll, a I'll, I'd love it if you'd send me a link to that symposium. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. Um, secondarily, uh, uh, I wanted to uh, touch. Uh, you know, it, you said something really interesting a while back on on kind of the phase one and phase two of this. Um, this sort of uh, you know evolving uh, you know evolving consolidation of the industry, um, you know five years out you know kind of with big pharma uh, you know Am Amazon will probably have a hand in that in that basket by that point uh, you know drones dropping uh, weed on your doorstep it's pretty uh, pretty novel idea um, but uh, I mean frankly do you, do, my contention is that. Um, I'm hoping at least that some of these antitrust laws actually start kicking in by then. Um, you know, five years from now, you know, we've got the worst wealth disparity we've ever had uh, in the United States. Uh, enormous debt, slow growth. Um, you know, right now growth accelerating and inflation's accelerating, but that's just because we're coming out of out of a hole, right? Um, so uh, it's another reason cannabis is doing so well. It's, it's a great investment in that, in that macro, with that macro backdrop. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, and I, and I, I do love getting into the names and, and it's, it's almost like the fundamentals don't apply so much. It's, it's really a qualitative judgment about each company. Um, and, and kind of, uh, and then there's, there's a lot of serendipity involved because they're, they're well, as, to your point earlier, there's so many players in, in the industry. So, uh, yeah, a lot, of green, a lot of green to be had. No, no pun, right? There is. There's there's plenty to go around, and the states do their best to um, utilize a merit based double blind review process for the applications. You know, when we submit material, it's all redacted. There's no names or you know political influence that is built into the application which I think is, is a really good thing. I also think it's getting tougher and tougher for the Chesapeake alternatives of the world to win licenses because you're going up against MSOs that just, you know, if a state says you can apply up to 10 licenses, you know, per region, uh, despite, you know, the $2,500 or $5,000 fee, fee per application, the MSOs will just, you know, drop a hundred applications into into the pool, and it's just tough for the small first-time entities to to enter. And on top of that, um, again, we could talk about social justice issues for an hour, but the the requirement that you have liquid cash to deploy in the initial at-risk phase. Um, it just eliminates diversity from the space. You know, you can't go get a minority business loan or a small business loan from a bank. You have to have a significant amount of capital to roll the dice with. And, um, you know, once you get that license in hand, you've got the same thing. You've got to be able to deploy millions of dollars in liquid capital, capital immediately. And, yeah. you know, who, who has access to that? You know, people like, people like you and I. And it's white male dominated and right. the barriers to entry 
are too high for the communities that were hit hardest by the war on drugs. And right. you fortunately, we're starting to see states um, begin expungement programs where they're expunging cannabis offenses. Illinois was the first to incorporate, to, well, really to incentivize companies to um, hire folks from disadvantaged communities or that have been incarcerated or charged with marijuana crimes. And I think that's a really important step and something that federal legalization will help equalize. Yeah, that's that's a tremendous point, Mike. Uh, the a the, the just the massive, massive uh, uh, kind of over overweighting of of African American um, you know incarcerations due to marijuana um, you know to start with, and then uh, to your point about um, you know needing so much upfront kind of liquid liquid cash. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it just reminds me of, and I, I, I shake my fist, you know, constantly on the, on the, on the web and, you know, write about it all the time. It, it's, it's the same deal with hedge funds. Um, you know, you, you look at these hedge funds and they, uh, there are so few, uh, women and minority owned hedge funds. Hmm. I wonder why, you know, uh, because you right. a ton of money to, to launch right. one. Um, and, and frankly, to launch an ETF. And that's why I think Kathy Wood and then and this ARC ETF are, are, are it's one reason at least um, that, that she's kind of gaining so, so much renown. And, um, but it's, 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 it's wonderful. I, you know, I track the uh, performance of these, of these indices and the, you know, the women in the minority owned hedge funds are, are they, they're, they're blowing these other hedge funds out of the water. Uh, and they're not getting, there's, there's, there's like no inflows. It's like a trickle, trickle of cash inflows. Uh, so, you know, th this is the kind of the structural injustice that uh, still persists today. And I think, uh, you know, do, doing what you're doing, speaking out on these topics, I'm trying to do the same in a, in a, in a, um, in a far less nation um, in industry. Um, but I, I think, I think the main, the main kind of goal with, or I, I I guess my, my, my biggest hope for, for the cannabis industry would be that, you know, it's not, it doesn't become yet another way for Wall Street to commoditize things, uh, for, um, you know, big modern monopolies, you know, they're taking advantage of, of stagnant antitrust laws uh, to allow the rich to get richer um, and, uh, and, and just, it just kind of, you know, sell, sell their products at, at cost or below cost. Right. You know, you talked about. I agree. You t you talked about it being tough to get into this, get into the state. Well, then once you got once you're in, you got to compete, right? So, I just it it it, it seems, uh, it seems like an uphill battle, and I, I really do hope that um, I'm not necessarily optimistic, although uh, perhaps we have the right, um, you know, leadership in place for this to to be managed. Um, um, to be yeah. Well, I think we do. I think it's important that the federal legislators take their time building the right bill the first time. Uh, there's a lot of things that need to happen in sequence. It needs to be, right now, cannabis is a schedule one drug as listed by the DEA, uh, right next to crack cocaine and heroin um, and labeled as something that has no, uh, no medical value whatsoever. Um, and that's, that's a big problem. And until 
it is descheduled, not just reduced to a Schedule two or three drug, but removed from the list of scheduled drugs. Until that happens, legalization really can't move forward because the FDIC won't recognize it, won't insure the banks, it, it bottlenecks everything. So that needs to happen first. Then they need to build things into the law, such as access for veterans, um, uh, market saturation, access to minorities, things like that. Um, and you know, what I really hope we'll see is diversity, not just in the employment pool, but in the ownership pool, that there will be uh, you know, a diverse group of entrepreneurs who have equity in these operations. Um, well, so that's what I, that, that I, I want to see happen. I, uh, I, I, I think you're, you're completely right about that. It, it's uh, the, the statistics continue to boggle the mind, uh, you know, how, how few uh, women and minorities uh, are on, you know, boards, um, you know, running companies. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, Quite pathetic, uh, and yeah, it can't. It seems like the the cannabis industry as a whole, you know, it 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 it, it being a bit of a of a uh, of an open prairie, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's a chance to build something new. Um, I, I think I think some of the issues that you brought up, certainly hurdles. Um, but I, I at least from my humble humble perch here, I I just think. The, uh, the federal government's hand is going to be forced so, so strongly um, to generate GDP, to generate uh, growth, and to tax the bejesus out of, uh, out of these, um, you know, these products. Um, and in order to tax the, the bejesus out of these products, they, they, they need to keep the competition, um, you know, from, from becoming too saturated. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I, I'm, I'm, I, hey, uh, you know, as a, as a friend, uh, I'm, I'm very proud uh, that that you're in, in in the industry. Um, and uh, you know, I, thank you. I, I hope uh, you know we can we can partner up and do 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 some kind of a presentation. I, I don't know what I'd bring to the table. Uh, maybe you bring I, a lot. <laughs> maybe there's I, the I'll, financial I'll, side I'll of this people. industry. It needs you, Woody. The industry needs you. So I would love to, to team up anytime because I, I admire your, your knowledge and, and skill set and your approach to, to finance. Well, I appreciate it, man. And, and yeah, I, I will say that uh, the, I, I was just ripping on Wall Street, but uh, it's, it, you, you made that point earlier about you know, how, how, how funny it was as the industry was just getting started, how, how different things were. Uh, same, same goes with, uh, with, you know, folks getting public access to, uh, to cannabis. So basically you're buying like Scott's miracle Grow, uh, you know, really kind of picking around the edges. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of obsessed with kind of, uh, mimicking the strategies of ETFs by looking underneath the hood, um, uh, of the ETFs and, and, and buying the underlying. Now I can't really do that with MSOS because a lot of them are Canadian, um, and and so I, I I end up just holding the the exchange exchange traded fund. But um, I still I'm I still take a peek under the hood, and it man it, it it's funny how how far things have come. Of course, in the beginning they took all the cool names like MJ, um, you know, as the ticker, 
uh, Toke, uh, Yolo. Uh, <laughs> now, now they've got, uh, but but you know this MSOS product um, really seems to be geared um, strictly towards uh, towards sort of U.S. And, and, uh, and, and, and Canadian cannabis. So, and there's, there's no funny business around it. So it's, um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see as the cost of capital goes down for, for some of these big, for some of these big dogs. And I'm thrilled, Mike, that you got in with, uh, with green thumb. I think I, I didn't realize, um, you know, what, what a big, uh, what a big coup that must've been, uh, not that you didn't deserve it, but, um, really nice work. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, can't wait to get the, uh, symposium um in the show notes and uh you know let's connect again, all right sounds great thank you woody i appreciate this and look forward to talking to you soon all right brother have a good one you too bye-bye